Good morning. You're listening to 88.7 FM Radio Hofstra University, broadcasting live from the Richard Philip Cavallaro Studio South. Welcome to the Monday edition of Hofstra's Morning Wake Up Call, where we're talking Long Island life, national news, and international issues. I'm your producer, Becca Williams, joined today by Michaela Bullard and Abigail Carmona. We're going to be talking about the New York mass mandate in schools, some updates on that Russian Ukraine drama that I know everyone has been hearing about, and some updates on the current stress on our economy, what's going on with inflation, all of that super fun stuff this morning. You guys, I honestly missed being on the show last week. We had a little bit of a vacation, like a mini vacation. Uh, we were off on Monday and Tuesday for President's Day. I don't know about you guys, but I had a great President's Day break. I actually had a five-day weekend because I don't have any classes on Friday. So I got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday off. And I was living my best life. Tuesday was actually a pretty historical date, not just because I celebrated my friend's birthday, but also because it was two, 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 two. There's a lot of twos in there. It's like something called a mirror date where you're supposed to make wishes. You're supposed to like spread good vibes. You're not supposed to have any anger or envy. There's supposed to be no fighting on this day. You're supposed to surround yourself with uh, only like positive energy, good friends, all of that stuff. And we did that. We celebrated my friend's 22nd birthday on 22222. And it was really fun. Abigail, Michaela, I would love to hear what you guys did on your President's Day. Do you guys do anything fun? Yeah, honestly, I had a long week too. A lot of my classes were canceled be- or on Zoom because mm-hmm. a lot of my professors were away. So I kind of had like a week oh, break wow. there. I would oh, only have to come so to campus nice. for one class in the morning and that's it. Um, so that was fun. On Tuesday, which was 2-22-22, I went to the movies with my best friend. Um, we saw the movie Dog with Channing Tatum. Oh, I've heard good stuff about that. Yeah, it's really cute. It's really funny. It's really cute. Um, So it was like a chillax Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it was supposed to be good vibes, no yeah. fighting. It was great vibes that day, a nice Perfect. relaxing day before we went back to school the next day. So I had a good break. How about you, Michaela? Oh, that's great. So on, t- on that day, I, know I slept the whole day. Like, I was exhausted. <laughs> I went home and I was like, oh, my God, finally a break. So I loved it. It was the best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think we were all ready for just like a little mini break. You know, the two days really honestly made a huge difference. I was kind of mad. I was like, we're only getting two days. Like, this is whack. Mm -hmm. But honestly, like, that really really made my week. And now, you know, I'm ready to take on this week that's ahead. Um, I'm feeling feeling good about this week. I made some wishes on, on the mirror day on Tuesday. I was like, I don't know if I can reveal my wishes because that's supposed to make them not come true. But they... I'm just going to say I hope they come true. I don't know. I can't reveal them. We have they three weeks true. until spring break. So, Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's so soon. Yeah, three weeks. Let's just get to the three weeks. You guys. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I'm ready for spring. I'm tired of this cold weather. I need flowers. I need yeah. the trees to have leaves again. I need some more sun. I'm just – I'm over this winter. Okay. Spring break is coming. That means spring is coming. Yeah. That means – you know, everyone's going to be happier, nice sun out, all of that good stuff. Can't wait. Okay. Anyway, back to the show. <laughs> Our first story today, we're going to be talking about the New York mask mandate uh, in public schools. Abigail is going to let us in on some stuff that's going on with that. Yes. So Governor Hochul announced yesterday that an end to the statewide mask mandate in public schools starting Wednesday, March 2nd. This decision has come after the decline of hospitalizations and strong vaccine rates in New York State. That being said, the CDC on Friday said it will consider the risks the risk of the virus proposes to individual communities based on largely on the number of severe cases in hospital admissions. So, um, you know, guys, I got to say I'm 50-50 on this. Um, don't get me wrong, I'm over the mask, you know, I'm tired of it, I want to see people's faces. Mm-hmm. It's really, till this day, it's still kind of hard to tell who's who, Yeah. like, with the mask. Um, but, like I said, I'm 50-50. I'm excited, but I'm nervous. Like, is, I've, is it going to be, like, last time where, you know, masks weren't really allowed, like, you know, they were lifted last time, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, the cases went back up, and then yeah. we had a go back to the mask mandate like is it gonna 
be like that again like are we seeing are we going to see another trend you know what i mean yeah that seems like it starts to happen and now because like you said spring is coming soon everyone's going to start to go out more Mm -hmm. can that be that cases are going to start to rise and give it three months four months we're going to have to be back on the mass so what do you think michaela so I agree with Abigail with this. I'm 50-50. I understand how annoying the masks are. I wear glasses. They get foggy every five <laughs> minutes. So I, I completely agree with that. But there are people with pre-existing health conditions that we have to be aware of, teachers, guardians, parents, students as well, that, you know, if this does, you know, it's going to happen. But, you know, if they do have to wear, take off their mask, what's the possibility of, you know, COVID spreading in schools? Also... My brother, he goes to public school. I know he's excited to take off his mask. He gets randomly tested each week. But I remember when I was in school, we didn't have a nurse in middle school and high school for a very long time. So I can imagine, like, you know, some schools cutting, like, you know, the policies of, you know, testing students and make sure they're reporting it. So that's my fear when it comes to, like, you know, taking off the mask. And it's, okay, great. COVID's going to spread. Yeah, I think we're all kind of, like, walking on eggshells right now with, like, what is okay to do and what is not okay to do. Like, obviously we all want to get back to our regular lives as soon as possible. I don't even really know what my regular life is at this point, but we're all ready to take off the masks and find some sort of like, some sort of uh, reason to say that this is okay. Like, you know, our governor is saying that it's okay. And a lot of people are going to take that at face value and, you know, maybe they should because our, our rates are down a lot lower than they were at the beginning of the year when we saw that huge surge with the Omicron variant in like January when they were the highest they've ever been. And now they're much, much, much lower by comparison. But still, New York has about 4.9 million cases right now uh, as of February 21st of this year, according to CNN. So... That's still a lot. Obviously, New York has a high population, so we're going to have a high number of cases regardless compared to other states with lower populations. And our vaccine rates are very high compared to other parts of the country. So I completely understand the thought process that would go behind this for Hochul. At the same time, it is like a little jarring to think that people are going to be walking around without masks on. Maybe it's because I'm so used to it now that I'm thinking like, oh my God, they're not gonna wear a mask. Like all these terrible things are gonna happen, which obviously is not always the case. I think a lot of people have all these worries and concerns now just because we've been dealing with this for so long that it's gonna take a while to get used to the idea of not wearing a mask. Of course, it's our new normal, you know. Um, I know we hear that all the time, but it really is. It's not gonna be ever the same as it was before COVID. A graph on the CDC shows that at the beginning of December, so right when the holidays were starting, Mm -hmm. um, it was much higher. And yes, now it's lower. But remember, before the holidays, it was lower also. Yeah. So, you know, it's always like because spring's coming up. That means what? um, Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. We have Fourth of July. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if I'm missing anything else, but, you know, we have a lot of events. So I feel like. I hope not, but I feel like cases are going to start to rise and we're going to have to go back on the mask. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, and I know we have to start somewhere. You know, we can't live forever with the mask. Like, we have to start somewhere. We got to stop being scared. Yeah. But it's just, you know, it's just the matter of, like, what if? It's happened Mm -hmm. before. Is it going to happen again? Or is this going to be the time where we're really going to have no more masks? Yeah, and that's the thing I think we should also consider is that there are people who have COVID, have taken the at-home tests, but they're not reporting to CDC. Right. Also, there are um, students who, uh, who are, I'm sorry, students who have to, like, you know, have, you know, have called shelters, you know, foster care, mm-hmm. that they are probably spreading it to, you know, other, you know, individuals, you know, guardians, other people as well. Right. Yeah. And I was I was kind of looking uh, right before the show this morning just to see what other states are dealing with high level cases. And right now, like I said, as of February 21st, California has the highest number of cases, which I don't think really comes to a surprise to anyone just because they are so overpopulated there. They have around 8.8 million. Texas is second with 6.5 million and Florida is third with 5.8. And then New York is fourth with 5.9. So like I said earlier, 
like we have taken consideration that these states obviously have larger population than others, which contributes to their high number of cases. But honestly, like compared to California and Texas and even Florida, New York is doing fairly well. And that doesn't even take into consideration our vaccination rates, which is also a lot higher than states like Texas and Florida and California. Um, so I, I do understand why Hochul would take this stance, even though the CDC and Biden's administration both came out and said that it is premature to, list, to lift the mask mandates in schools. And Hochul decided to take an opposite standpoint on that. I see why she would choose to do that because the CDC and Biden obviously have to look at the country as a whole. And as a whole, our country is not fully ready to lift the mask mandates just because of low overall vaccination rates and high case numbers. But in New York specifically, it, we are doing a lot better compared to the United States in general. So even though Hochul is kind of going against what the CDC and Biden have both kind of agreed to do moving forward, I think that she's well within her right to do so. And taking into consideration the way that New York has just kind of been like this flagship for all of the other states of where to go next as far as COVID. Like we were one of the first states to get our stuff together with vaccines and like put those mask mandates into place and close schools down when COVID first started, all of that stuff. So we've kind of been a state for other states to follow, a state for other states to look at and be like, okay, that's where we're going to be in a few months time. So for us to lift the mask mandate, hopefully that'll inspire other states to keep trying to push for vaccine and uh, get more people the assistance that they need when they are affected so that they can then be at the level that we're at. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we're talking about New York state wise, right? So mm -hmm. now let's out of all of New York state, New York City had the most cases. Mm -hmm. And yes, Governor Hochul said she wants to lift it, but it all comes down also to Mayor Eric Adams to, you know, say if that should be allowed for new york city wise because mm -hmm. you know their cases are it's like a roller coaster up and down um but apparently hoko has said that she had spoken to eric adams and feels confident that he would follow her lead to yank the city school mass requirement um so do we think that he's gonna also say that he's gonna lift the mass in new york city schools what do we think about that honestly with eric adams i think everyone's been kind of on the edge of their seat just to see how he's going to proceed forward with all this since he is new to office just kind of see like what his stance is going to be uh how hard he's going to push for a mask mandate if at all all of that sort of stuff i do think that he will agree to lift it um just because of the stances that he's taken in the past and a lot of the things he said during his campaign in general just seems to like he's ready to kind of push forward to like the new step the next step that comes after covid um but that's just me personally right. i hope we see his decision soon i don't know i'm a native new yorker i think it's the roll of the dice if he's actually going to go through with that um uh, another point i want to make a quick across is that there are you know places that are illegally giving out fake covid 19 vaccines so cards so mm -hmm. i think that you know with this we talk about you know the rise you have the most COVID-19 vaccine rate, what is the percentage of those vaccine rates that are, you know, not actually real? Yeah, I actually talked about this on Morning Show a few weeks ago um, about there was a Long Island nurse that was actually arrested, I think maybe in January, um, for selling fake vaccine cards. And not only did she sell fake vaccine cards, but she was going into the database and inserting these people's names saying that they had been vaccinated when they hadn't been so it wasn't only that she was selling the fake vaccine cards she had the access to all this stuff because she was an actual nurse so she was able to put it through a lot further than what some people might just be doing like selling vaccine cards on the street right so yeah. we have to take that into account too obviously that's not being done by a large majority of new yorkers i don't know anyone or know anyone that knows anyone that has been involved in anything like that. Yeah. Um, but it's still like it's still a possibility. Yeah, it's scary. I mm -hmm. mean, we're we're getting through the next steps. Like in New York City, you no longer have to show your vaccination card, um, which is 
I don't know if it's great. I mean, I'm going to say it's great. I have a friend that, for his own reasons, Mm -hmm. is not vaccinated. And we can never do stuff in the city because he wasn't vaccinated. So yesterday I saw him and I was like, oh, my God, now we can do stuff in the city because you don't have to show proof. And he was like, great. He got all excited. (laughs) Um, So I guess, you know, I take it how you want to take it. I think it's, you know, good. Um, Honestly, to go back to Eric Adams, I think he is going to lift the mask mandate for New York City schools, except I think he's going to wait a little longer. I think it's a little too fast, I think, is what yeah. he probably is doing. Um, and let's not forget that he already lifted um, the mask mandate for outdoor activities for city schools. Um, so we're getting there, but I just think he's not going to do it so soon like Governor Hochul did. Yeah. Yeah. Even at Hofstra, we saw a few changes in our mask mandate recently. Yeah. Uh where people that live in the dorms now they're they don't they aren't required to wear their mask in common spaces like the bathroom which i know people that live in the dorms and i know how annoying it is for them to have to put their mask on every time they go to the bathroom like if i was in my own house because i live off campus if i was in my own house and i had to put a mask on every time i left my room yeah that would get really annoying really fast um so that's great for them and they also are allowing no masks in the sports arenas as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're we're also kind of making some changes at Hofstra. Little changes. Yeah. So very small. That's what I'm. <laughs> so that's my next question is. So Governor Hochul said starting Wednesday, March second, is mm-hmm. where she's going to lift the mask mandate. Um. So is Hofstra going to come out with an email soon? Yeah, I feel like we are going to probably hear like from the provost or something. They'll yeah. have to at least respond to the email like respond respond to the new stance on mask mandates in some sort of email if we're still gonna have the mask Mm -hmm. or if they decide to or they're gonna give us a little bit more freedom and (laughs) take it off we're not i don't know i feel like imagine you walk into your class and like everyone has no masks on i think i would be like (laughs) sensory overloaded i barely remember it like i i'm a transfer student right so i transferred to hofstra spring 2022 so right a little bit before everything shut down and i just i don't remember anything without math yeah, like, yeah. it's it's a hard it's so sad to mm-hmm. like even say that but yeah i haven't seen a lot of people usually I, I have pretty similar classes with the same people just because i'm a senior now so i know most of the people in the calm school and right. all of that but i've kind of forgotten what the lower half of their face looks like and i see it on social media like <laughs> on instagram and snapchat and all of that stuff but in class, if I were to be looking at someone face to face and they had their mask down, I don't. I think I would just be staring at like the lower half of their yeah. face the whole time. Like, so that's <laughs> what the rest of you look like. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I've I've met people like during COVID, and I've been like, pull your mask down one second. Like, let me see what you look like. <laughs> I know when um I started my job now. It was like August 2020, and you know I had my interview. He goes, oh, let me just. Can I just see what you look like really quick? Like, yeah. So he pulled down. He goes, wow, you're a beautiful young girl. I'm like, thank you. And it was just so weird. I was like, okay. <laughs> but the fact that we even have to say that to just see each other's faces is just funny. Yeah, because it's weird to meet people and, like, start to know them, whether that's, like, as a friend or, like, as a boss or a coworker or anything, and you don't even know what they look like. Yeah. Like, it is kind of weird. I also just recently started a new job, and um, we had the same, like, little moment where me and a bunch of my coworkers we got in like a little circle after closing one night and we were like guys everyone take your mask down a little bit and let's all see what each other <laughs> looks like and i mean there's like those little moments like that where i'm like you know we're all really coming together during covid yeah. and we're all kind of bonding over this really s- silly, silly stuff that we have to do together just to make us feel normal again um we haven't done that yet. We have to do it. It's like kind of scary because it's like, oh, my God, like they don't know what I look like. Like, Am I pretty I like? <laughs> pull it down really yeah. quick. Uh, yeah. The things but, we have to think about now. Yeah. I don't know. You know, maybe I can't even imagine what it's going to be like for these kids that are going to get their mask mandates lifted at schools. Like, I don't know if I was in a public school and i was had been wearing a mask like for a while especially for these younger kids who are maybe in like i don't know like say you're in like sixth grade or something and the last two two and a half years has been consumed by you wearing a mask like 
that's you back fourth grade to sixth grade. That's a huge yeah. difference. Yeah. I'm excited for them. Yeah. Like, I really feel for, like, the younger generation. I do, too. Um, you know, we're adults, so it's like, you know we can handle stuff but like yeah. them like they don't really know what's going on and yeah. they're so yeah. vulnerable like i i'm really happy i hope like it goes well for like the public schools and like you know when the mask yeah. goes off and we don't get a lot of cases from that yeah i hope so too i hope we don't see any you know infected young kids yeah. ri- uh cases rising um but i feel like as long as everyone continues to be responsible like we have been recently because our cases have been going down as long as we just continue on that track everything's gonna go well i think that we were getting a little maybe a little too cocky in new york uh, before the holidays and we were like guys we're doing so good like i'm gonna go out i'm gonna go out to the bars tonight like all this stuff because it was the holidays everybody was in a good mood you know i'm definitely guilty of doing the same like i was like you know i'm vaccinated like i'm feeling good and then we saw the cases rising because we got a little too excited. Right. So we just got to take it slow. We got to do step by step, you know. And I think I think that we'll see that hopefully our cases won't rise. And then I think if they don't rise, maybe we'll see Eric Adams decide that he'll lift it. And then maybe we'll see some further yeah. mask yeah. lifting. I think everyone has learned from the first mistake because, you know, mm-hmm. everyone got a little bit too excited when yes. the masks were able to come off. I think everyone already understands, like, all right, we got to really be on top, you know? Like, yeah. This is a, another try of not having masks. Like, let's really pull through and have it gone for at least for good. Yeah. Well, we'll have to wait and see, you know, what's happening with our school. It is a private university, so we'll have to see our president, uh, Susan, what she decides to do. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yes. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about Russia-Ukraine story, which some of you guys might be a little bit tired of hearing, but I promise we got some new information on here uh, that we're very excited to discuss together on the show this morning. We're going to be right back after this on 88.7 FM, Radio Hofstra University. You're listening to the Hofstra Morning Wake Up Call only on 88.7 FM Radio Hofstra University. All thoughts and opinions stated here on the Hofstra Morning Wake Up Call do not reflect the views of 88.7 FM WRHU and its management, Hofstra University, as well as its board of trustees. All contrasting views can be sent to programming at WRHU.org or to 111 Hofstra University, Hempstead, New York, 11549. And we're back. Recently, the U.S. placed sanctions on Vladimir Putin. That happened on Friday. Uh, This came after he sent Russian troops to the Ukraine. This decision aligned our U.S. government with the decisions of our allies in the EU, who also imposed sanctions against Putin. This was actually a historical decision because there's only two other leaders who are sanctioned by the EU. So Putin will become the third leader sanctioned by the EU in history. A personal sanction like these entails prevention of travel to and from certain jurisdictions and bans companies from engaging in any transaction with them. The U.S.'s sanction also included Russian banks, which stopped them from accessing the American financial system, which is obviously having a huge impact on our economy as well, which we're going to get into a little bit later with inflation rates. But what I really wanted to focus on this morning was personal sanctions. Uh, These are a lot different than sanctions that you might be more used to reading about in like a history class or any sort of like political science class. Personal sanctions like what we just put on Putin can actually be very, very tricky and complicated. So for leaders like Putin who don't put their assets in banks or firms that can be controlled, they're able to kind of work around the sanctions. So while the sanction will affect Russia uh, politically, it's not necessarily going to affect Putin personally because he controls basically the entirety of the Russian economy, which is hugely successful in oil and natural resources. So they're, I mean, they have a huge economy, as we all know, rivaling the U.S. And he considers any territory of the Russian Federation to be under his control as well. So that's a lot that he has as uh, in his hands that's a lot that he controls you know and none of these assets like these land this oil these natural resources is something that's in a bank that can be controlled by these sanctions this was uh estimated by a 2017 u.s financer 
that Putin's assets were valued at $200 billion, most of which was not in a bank or a firm. So while we put these personal sanctions on Putin with obviously the intentions of trying to control his financial gain and his ability to uh, trade with the U.S., and while that is, you know, negatively affecting Russia's economy, it's not necessarily doing that much to Putin. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you, what you guys' personal opinions are on sanctions like these. Uh, like I said, Putin's the, the third leader to ever have personal sanctions put on him by the EU. So obviously they thought that this would be a good step forward. And maybe we will see it pay off sometime in the future. But as of right now... It's not looking like it's going to do very much, especially with how fast this war is progressing between Russia and the Ukraine. Right. I agree with you, Becca, on how it's going to drastically affect Russia in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, those things take time. And like you said, everything is progressing fast with the war right now. Um, But also it's going to start to affect the United States. Um, Already we're seeing gas prices rise with the russia invasion of ukraine um for example brent crude the crude oil in the north sea broke through the hundred broke through the hundred dollar a barrel marker after the, after the attack surging as much as six percent to more than 105 a barrel its highest point in more than seven years west texas intermediate crude briefly rose above 100 a barrel um so we're starting to see already the the ranges of different prices um this conflict is occurring when supplies of both oil and natural gas have already been tight for months, which we all know. <laughs> so the thought of it even increasing more is terrifying. I'm going to start to ride my bike everywhere. <laughs> well, I have to have a bike first. <laughs> um, so driving up prices and creating a situation where the risk of disruption sends them up further. Um, after all this, President Biden acknowledged the worries of the evasion of Ukraine could be felt in higher gasoline prices in the United States. Quoting, my administration is using every tool at its disposal to protect American family, families and businesses from rising prices at the gas pump, taking active steps to bring down the cost, he said. So what do we think about that? Yeah, I think you both made amazing points. I think what's happening between Russia and Ukraine will definitely affect the rest of the world. According to the Office of the United States Trade Representative, Russia was the 20th on the list of the largest suppliers of goods in the U.S. in 2019. In terms of dollars, we're looking at $22.3 billion of imports worth. I'm interested to see what's the relationship in the relationship between Russia and America will be when this is over. I honestly can't imagine America continue buying goods from Russia in the same capacity as 2019. And I'm wondering if they would continue buying any goods, what would their America's relation be impacted between NATO and Ukraine if Ukraine is actually still a country by then? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. As long as we're talking about how this sanction is like financially affecting us something that i was reading about bp which i mean i'm sure we all know bp like i get my gas from bp sometimes they dropped their share of this russian oil and gas company called rosneft and they had a 19.75 percent share since 2013 which doesn't sound like that huge of a share but it's valued at around 14 billion dollars you guys and they've had this since 2013 oh, wow. and they dropped it because they like a lot of other companies know how drastically these sanctions are going to affect Russia and Russia's economy and they know that these sh- these stocks are going to drop drastically coming up soon so even though right now it's valued at 14 billion they were like that's good for me like we'll take that like get mm-hmm. me out of this and they've had it since 2013 so i think that really just goes to show like how a lot of these companies and a lot of these like leaders are feeling towards Russia's economy right now, which is we got to get our stuff and get out of here kind of thing, because it's only going to get worse right now because it's only only the U.S. that is putting these sanctions up. It's the whole European Union. It's every country that is aligned with the European Union that is basically saying like, no, we're not doing business with Russia anymore. Yeah, of course. And it's not, I mean, come on, like you have to worry about your country too. Mm -hmm. Um, And being tied to that, it's just gonna affect, you know, your own country. And then where do you go from there? Yeah, I think Russia is definitely prepared for this. I know they've been doing this overnight. This has been going on, like they've been 
a week already. Yeah, mm-hmm. they've been pl- planning to evade Ukraine since 2013. Yeah. So I think they were slowly building on that, and now they're just, you know, doing that. Yeah. I mean, they already made their money, and they're, you know, the President um, um, Putin is like, you know, close friends with, you know, the um, the leader of China. So I feel like he already has, like, you know, his source of money right there. <laughs> his little, you know, his little piggy bank. So I feel like he's not, like, you know, worrying about this as much. But let's say um, when when this all comes to an end, um, is he going to start to how is he going to start to help build Russia's economy again? Is he going to start to put in his own money? Because if that's the case, there's that's going to go down very fast. Yeah. So, you know, you can't really he can't really rely on his assets, you know, because now all the partnerships have already been are gone. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, how is how is that economy going to build up now? Yeah. The thing is, I don't think Putin is looking for countries to make allies with. I think he's looking for countries to invade and like <laughs> force his leadership over like with the yeah, ukraine yeah. right now he's not looking at them as oh you know this will be a good ally for me and we can work together and make our economy stronger together he's looking at ukraine belongs to me belongs to russia is a part of russia and just like he did with crimea by saying like crimea is a part of russia it was never part not a part of russia and basically took it back over yeah. do, wanting to do the same with ukraine just asserting his dominance saying no, Ukraine is part of Russia. It belongs to me, and I'm going to take it over, point blank, period. I don't think we're going to see that stop with Russia. I think that we're going to see that, uh, well, at least an attempt of that to continue. Um, Who knows how successful that will be? Who knows how successful this invasion on the Ukraine will be? That's the scary part, is that we, we really just don't know. I A lot of my friends and I have been talking, and even my mom was texting me, saying, like, we're watching World War III happen right yeah. now. And I'm thinking in my head, like, you know, is it is it viable for us to be this concerned with a World War Three or are we like freaking ourselves out for no reason? We really don't know. Like, we don't know how intense this is going to get. We don't know if nuclear weapons are going to be brought out. We don't know if Russia is going to send a missile strike to the U.S. Mm -hmm. We really we just don't know. And that's the scariest part. That's what everyone's really freaked out about right now. And they're turning to like the news and the U.S. government to kind of look and see like, guys, like, what should we be worried about? Like, come on, like, let us know. And they can't really the media and our government like can't really say too much besides what we're doing as a country, which is putting up these sanctions and trying to send aid to the Ukraine and um, assisting the EU and NATO. And they're calling and asking for our help. But obviously like even though we are involved we're we're not directly there so we don't we don't see everything that happens yeah Yeah. and we we just don't really know and that's the scary part yeah i think after covid anything we can see that anything can happen um and you just always have to be prepared i really feel for them the country of ukraine um i was talking to my friend the other day and i was saying you know i was just like it's crazy how we're lying in bed with heating and you know lights and everything and this is all going on right now on the other side of the world yeah it's crazy it's it's really scary i know my um my boyfriend's birthday was yesterday and this i'm i'm a person that really lives in the moment and you know i'm a very like you only live once type of person so i really tried to go all out yesterday more because of you really don't know what's gonna happen like knock on wood god forbid um that could be us in like next year. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's yeah. very scary to think like that, but it's 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 tough. It's really tough. Yeah, especially uh, looking back on Russia and U.S. relationship, it's definitely been rocky. You know, the nu- nuclear missile crisis happened in Cuba, the Cold War, and all that. I definitely, you know, Russia. I feel like you know they'd be happy to you know do something to America real quick. Yeah. So it's very nerve wracking. I know personally, I have someone, a childhood friend that you know enrolled in the military, and who's a college student as well. But you know, she's like training to go overseas just in case something happens. Oh, yeah. Happens. I think they all are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely nerve-wracking and, you know, hits home. And it I does. know on TikTok, I see, like, videos of, you know, people talking about how they had to, like, you know, put tape over their windows and, see, like, you know, live in, like, you know, their bunker and mm-hmm. train stations. Babies are being born in train stations. And, you know, it's it's awful. Yeah. yeah. It really is. Has it been like defined as a world war three already or no we're it, just all saying that yeah, okay. yeah we're we're just kind of I, a lot of people are comparing it 
to another world war or saying like you know this is what we've been preparing for like this yeah. is going to turn into a world war three but right now it's just an invasion um it's not even technically a war yet mm-hmm. uh but i mean who knows how fastly that could progress there's updates going on constantly um online and on tv it's basically all the news is talking about it's actually a recent update uh 42 minutes ago president zelensky of the ukraine basically just once again urging the european union to admit the ukraine he posted um he not posted but sent this video message earlier today like about an hour ago appealing to the European Union to admit the Ukraine using a new procedure that would allow them to enter the EU at a very sped up rate. Like he's basically saying like guys like this is life or death like please admit yeah. us to the EU because he's looking for that support for his country. Mm-hmm. Um it hasn't been responded to yet by the EU we're not we're not sure yet uh, if they are going to admit them using any sort of new process or uh, what they have to say about that yet. We just know that the video message has been sent through by the president of Ukraine. Yeah. Can I just say I'm very proud that Ukraine president, you know, to join the military and fighting. Like I, I was like, yes, it's awesome. it's awesome. And also the former Ukraine president is also like, you know, standing side of the military. So I'm very proud of them for, like, you know, doing that. There's not many world leaders that, you know, will risk their lives to do this. Yeah. Former, I saw a post yesterday, former Miss Ukrainian, um, Ukraine, I'm sorry, former Miss Ukraine is out there going on, going like to war too. She has a gun. She's ready. Mm-hmm. She's fighting also. It's crazy. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh like it's just, she looks one. She looks beautiful. Like yeah. doing it, <laughs> of course. But like it's 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 nice to see that everyone is standing up for their country. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's of course like who's and like also people in the United States um, that are willing to even go out there because I'm assuming they don't have any troops, right? So they're just taking recruitments from anywhere. I heard. Ukraine does have troops. They, they do. do. Yeah. So then I guess they don't have as it's much because they're. Trying it's to not as the much, level yeah. that Russia is. Yeah. No. yeah. So at this point, I they're like taking from like I know um, ex boxer, oh, I don't know his last name. It's you know one of those Ukrainian last names, <laughs> but he is the ex, um, the ex fiance of Hayden Panettiere, the actress. Oh, okay. He enlist in um, joining the Ukrainian um, army. So he wants to fight also, but he lives in the United States, but he enlisted. So I don't know. Oh, because he's like a citizen of the Ukraine. Yeah. Okay. So um, I don't know if he was flying out there, but it's nice to see that even people that are, I guess they have a visa or dual citizenships Mm -hmm. are here in in the States, but are enlisting in the army to fight for Ukraine. Yeah, Yeah, because for these people, this isn't just a another war or like some random invasion like we can see this in the united states kind of like a step away we can kind of look at this and say oh no like the ukraine is being invaded that's so awful and terrible but for the people that are there or even in the u.s and ukraine is their home they're looking at that as oh like my home is going to be erased my country my culture all of these things that are so deeply embedded in them and in their family is going to be taken over and torn to shreds basically is what they're seeing and it's very real for them and we can sit here in the united states and talk about you know how horrible it is and how we feel so terribly for them but the truth is like we're we're never going to experience that not never but we're not experiencing that right Right now. now so I mean, honestly, like, I don't know how hard it is on those people because it looks terrifying from the videos we're seeing on, like Michaela said, like on TikTok and like on social media and even on like um, CNN or like Fox Mm -hmm. News or whatever you look at, you're seeing videos that people are taking there and it looks terrifying. But being there, I can't even imagine. I I don't know how they're sleeping. I don't think they are sleeping with all those noises at night. It's it's so scary. And I saw this post the other day that the Ukrainian journalists, like the anchors for Mm -hmm. their news channel over there, they're reporting like 24 seven from the the underground um, garages. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. And I was just I just remember being like, this is why, like, I'm I'm for journalism, like my major is journalism, because that just shows like that's true journalists right there. Mm -hmm. And it really touched my heart. And. You know, no matter what is going on, they're still reporting news for everyone to see, even though that's in the 
garage. Yeah, a yeah. parking garage underground. Another thing I want to bring up is the treatment of black Ukrainians not being allowed to enter neighboring countries or even boarding trains to flee Ukraine. I saw a TikTok video of black Ukrainians being forced to wait for a train, and they were not allowed to enter, you know, Poland. They were enduring racial, treat, uh, racial injustice. According to the Iris Times, 20% of Ukraine's foreign students are African, and on Twitter, African uh, activists have raised awareness of this issue through the uh, Twitter hashtag, uh, hashtag uh, um, Africans in Ukraine. Additionally, there have been organized, organized assistance on WhatsApp and Telegraph. I definitely feel like, you know, we talked about this before, you know, the whole Whoopi Goldberg, you know, issue when she talked about, you know, the Holocaust. There's sometimes we ignore, you know, the other minorities that will be affected. And I feel, my heart goes out to everybody, but especially for those, you know, the black uh, Ukrainians that are not even allowed to, you know, enter Poland. You know, yeah. they're trying to seek uh, safety, you know, even board trains to leave the country. It's just really uh, heartbreaking, you know, all around. Yeah. Yeah, because right now, really, the only thing you can do is get in a bunker and stay and lock yourself in there or leave and flee the country. And it's, that's not easy. Yeah. yeah. And like, for some people, that's not an accessible solution mm-hmm. either way. Yeah. And like, I know Poland wasn't taking anyone because nobody was leaving. Like, they're waiting for Ukrainians because now you're in Poland, right? You have mm-hmm. access to go now yeah. anywhere um, and they're saying that no one's leaving yet. So they're they're advising people to reach out to their families so they can take in more Ukrainians. So, yeah. you know, it's it's hard. It's not it's really hard. Yeah, because it's also up to those border countries mm-hmm. to be willing to accept people that are seeking refuge and coming into those countries. And also like people that are willing to open up their homes to take in these people so that they're not having to live in shelters or live on the border or live on the streets, you know, because we're not only bringing full-grown adults into these other countries, but children and babies and... And animals. Yeah, (laughs) I've I've seen a lot of posts of people saying, like, what is a country that is allowing us to bring in pets? Because I can't leave my dog here. Mm -hmm. I can't leave my cat here. And to some people, that might sound a little silly, but... They're vulnerable. You really form a deep connection with your pets. And the thought of leaving them behind in a country that's being invaded for almost, like, basically certain death for that animal, like, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. And for someone who is dealing with all of that stress, you really need some sort of support animal there with you if you have one. So, uh, yeah, I think that's also another really interesting uh, aspect of this whole situation is the way that we're able to use social media to see first-hand accounts of everything that's going on in the Ukraine because yeah we have journalists there like Abigail said reporting it but also we have people who are actually living in the Ukraine right now Mm -hmm. that are taking videos of the noises and the alarms and they're taking videos of the way it looks outside and the way they're having to board up their houses and just taking videos of them talking about how stressed they are and how scary it is to be there in real time and just being able to see all of that, I think, really adds a whole nother layer of sympathy and empathy that we have for the people that are there right now struggling with all that, the citizens. Um, and that also might make these other countries a little more willing to open up their doors for them, being able to have access to seeing all of this stuff. So honestly, like social media, I'm usually not a huge fan, but it's doing some. It's doing a little bit of good right now for situations like this. It yeah. is. and we are hearing their yeah. cries because we're seeing protests in New York City, Los Angeles, basically everywhere, and they're Russian people too. So it's not all that you know. Not all Russians are for this. Yeah, this no invasion. You know, and we're seeing a lot of stance and not just like social media. Everyone's sticking up for them, mm-hmm. but also in um in sports. So for instance, um. Poland and Sweden's national soccer teams refused to play Russia in the 2022 FIFA World Cup qualifications. So I don't know if you guys are oh, wow. uh, sports friends or soccer fans. I'm a diehard soccer fan. I played soccer since forever. Um, that says a lot because the World Cup is something grand. And, you know, something like that could potentially FIFA can kick that team out for not wanting to verse another team. Mm-hmm. But in this case, they didn't. They're seeing multiple teams refusing to play Russia and FIFA has actually announced yesterday that they will not ban Russia's national soccer team. However, the country is not allowed to have their nation's flag present for the national anthem. Wow. So we're starting yeah. to see that FIFA is also kind of taking a stand with 
with Ukraine. Yeah, because so. at this point, you kind of have to take a stance because not taking a stance is also saying something. Yeah. Um, and I, I obviously there are citizens in Russia that are not for Putin. Not everyone is agreeing with what he's doing, and mm-hmm. I'm sure it's scary for them as well to be there right now when they're against it. And I'm sure not everyone on the soccer team is automatically backing Putin just because they're on the Russian soccer team. But at the same time, the other countries kind of have to set their boundaries as well and say, like, I don't want to be involved anyway with Russia, even if it's with people that aren't necessarily for Putin's activities. You're still representing Russia as a country. Yeah. So I, I understand why the other countries, some of the other countries would say, like, no, we're not going to play you um, just because everything that's happening right now, you can't just kind of put it off to the corner and say, oh, no, this is only happening in a political or financial sense. It's 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 everywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's all over their socioeconomic. It's all over political. It's all over um, just basic human rights. It's everything. You can't just kind of compartmentalize it over somewhere else. Right. Yeah, uh, another thing I want to like mention is like what's gonna happen to like Putin is all done. Will he face any charges? Will he be fined for like you know human rights violations? Well, that's that's like the hard thing when you're dealing with international issues like this mm-hmm. is that there, even though we have things like NATO and the EU, we have no international policing force. Like there is really nothing that we can do, even through like NATO or the EU, because those. Those two organizations are basically there for, like, allyship and for backing other countries and for assistance like that. But as far as, like, consequences that a group of countries can take together, they can place sanctions like we have. Um, They can kind of cut off any sort of relationship that they have with that leader. But it's not like he can be arrested on any international law based off that within his own country within russia um there are things that can be done but it's like who's gonna go up against him that's what i'm saying like who's really gonna do that it's like the holocaust like no one was there to really overthrow you know um hitler Mm -hmm. he i mean he got assassinated so we know but you know i think that would be the only thing because there's no one else higher up to like you know put their to put you know their actions on them like saying like this wasn't right and you have to face the consequences Mm -hmm. i don't think there's anything like that and i don't think the country of russia will overthrow putin after this i don't think i think they'll be too scared yeah i was gonna say i don't know if they would even be able to the hold that he has on that country is like unmatched by any other Mm -hmm. and you think of russia you think of putin like he's he's hugely influential in that whole country and he is obviously one of the most powerful people in the world um just because he has such a hold on all of russia territory it's all considered to be his solely just because of the way that their government works is that he is like the one basically you know so it's it's kind of hard to say like if there will be any consequences from this because we don't even know if he's going to be successful with this invasion or not. If he is successful with this invasion of Ukraine, which I honestly, I don't see him being successful in a way that it'll be like, oh, okay, You'll we'll just like praised. let him have it kind yeah. of thing. Um, but if he does end up like making some headway on this invasion and pushing other troops out of the area and is able to actually place his own troops in that area and kind of confiscate even just like a large portion of the ukraine not even the entirety of the country but even just like a large portion of it i don't think that like he would not only would he not stop there i think he would obviously try to continue as much as he could Mm -hmm. but i also read that he's actually going to be there fighting alongside the troops oh gosh so if he were to be assassinated, yeah. I think that's when we would see it happen. Yeah. I'm not saying that it is going to happen or that anyone is attempting any assassination on his life, but I'm saying, like, you're putting yourself on the battleground, basically. Yeah. So yeah. if we were to see him get shot, 
I think that's when we would see it happen. Yeah, yeah and a change. Yeah. Their, um, what do you call it? Like their presidency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's very scary. I feel like if they are successful, I feel like they will definitely be a uh, precedent set for, you know, countries to, like, you know, invade other places. I know China is, like, neighboring Russia. I know they were trying to, like, you know, keep their grasp for Hong Kong, like, before the pandemic hit and, you know, there's protests going on. So I feel like, you know, if, you know, China sees that, you know, Russia being successful, they'll possibly, you know, you know, leave Hong Kong to, you know, do more stuff and uh, trying to probably leave China, you know, you know, to probably more um, influence to, you know, do more stuff, you know, stuff in Hong Kong to, like, you know, make that uh, part of their country as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that we have talked plenty about <laughs> uh, Russia and Ukraine. Um, there's not really much more to be said. Uh, there's no current new updates. I just checked. Uh, we're still waiting to see what the status is going to be with the EU as far as response to pres- to the president of Ukraine uh, after his very urgent plea to allow the Ukraine to enter into the EU. So hopefully we'll get an update on that soon. Everybody make sure to, you know, be checking on Twitter or any sort of live updates. We've been using um, New York Post. That's what I've been checking because they have live updates going on. I know a lot of other sites do as well, like New York Times and stuff like that. So It's really available anywhere on the internet if you want to keep tabs on it. We're going to take a just a few second break so we can catch our breath after that long discussion. And we're going to be right back to talk about inflation in the U.S. and kind of what is going on with our own economy after we're seeing these sanctions in Russia. So we're going to be right back here on 88.7 FM Radio Hofstra University. You're listening to the Hofstra Morning Wake-Up Call only on 88.7 FM Radio Hofstra University. All thoughts and opinions stated here on the Hofstra Morning Wake-Up Call do not reflect the views of 88.7 FM WRHU and its management, Hofstra University, as well as its board of trustees. All contrasting views can be sent to programming at WRHU.org or to 111 Hofstra University, Hempstead, New York, 11549. So compared to a year ago, inflation has increased by 6.1% in January in its highest level since 1982, according to the Federal Reserve. With consumer demands increasing as shortage of workers and products, inflation has the highest level in the four-year decades, making things harder for U.S. households, especially low-income families who face higher, who, who face higher food, fuel, and rent prices. Additionally, what are your thoughts on, you know, inflation right now? Based on the inflation, you know, especially, you know, in, you know America relies on outside uh, resources to get their food supplies. We're, we especially need it now for oil, trucks, and, you know, um, military equipment. So what are your thoughts of um, inflation right now? Well, okay. So one thing that I've been really noticing with inflation is that a lot of people argue that The positive to inflation is that it causes people to be more motivated to buy things because the thought in everyone's head is kind of, you know, if the price is going to rise, we should buy now when it's lower. That's what my my mom called me and said, if you need to get gas, like you need to fill up your tank right now because it's just going to continue to rise, which I think is what a lot of people are thinking, especially with gas, which is already so ridiculously expensive and it's only going to get more expensive. This, however, is not necessarily a mindset that a lot of families, low middle class, have the option to do. For people living paycheck to paycheck, they buy things mostly on a schedule in order to budget and make their paychecks last longer. I know because my family did the same thing. Like we went grocery shopping on a specific day. We bought specific things. We got our gas on a specific day. Things like that just because we we had a budget of this is what we buy this day, all that stuff. And I do the same now, now that I'm out of my family's house just because that was the way that I grew up is like you buy things on a budget like that. So for some people that have this, you know, paycheck to paycheck lifestyle like that, especially with the larger your family is, the more you have to work on that budget and the more you have to prioritize like what to buy. A lot of people don't have the option to just say, oh, I need to buy everything now before the price rises. And also, when we're looking at inflation, spending money very quickly like that doesn't help the economy. It actually continuously boosts inflation. So the more that you spend during a high time of inflation, like right now, 
uh, the worse it's going to get because it causes our economy to just become too flushed with cash because we're spending everything so quickly that it's it's the supply and demand of cash faces this huge imbalance where in our economy we have so much supply of cash and little demand in comparison which just causes our cash to lose value even faster i know that's a lot of information i just spit out at you guys but basically the more you spend during inflation the worse inflation gets and it's hard to not spend because you're worried about prices rising so it's this awful vicious cycle of something called hyperinflation which we're going to talk about a little bit um during this segment but hyperinflation is kind of just like when inflation gets so bad that uh, it just continues on this cycle where it just keeps like building on itself. Um, we consider anything above 50% inflation rise within a year's time to be considered hyperinflation. Uh, so, you know, we're not at that point yet, but going out and spending all of your money at the beginning of a rise in inflation is maybe not the best idea. That's yeah. my stance on it. This sounds very familiar when two years ago, everyone was buying Bounty and Lysol yes. and toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was, um, is that, that's an example of hyperinflation, right? It wasn't necessarily, an, it wasn't an example of hyperinflation specifically, but it was like a, uh, something that leads to it, which is when yeah. you buy everything off the shelves and then we have a huge shortage of things and people go out and just continue to buy, buy, buy very quickly because they're like, we're going to run out again, you know? Yeah. So it's a symptom of hyperinflation, but we weren't at that rate quite yet, technically. Yeah. Well, let's hope it's not a symptom now for gas. Like, I just keep thinking about, like, yeah. what gas, I really, I don't know if for those who were here in New York um, during Hurricane Sandy, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know, there was no gas and there were, and whatever gas they had, I think they were, um, limiting how much gas they were using um, because it would close at a certain time. So everyone was trying to, like, get the gas as fast as they can. Um, you know, I just keep thinking about that. Like, I hope we don't get to a point where their gas stations are going to have to do that. Yeah. yeah. I think for some people that are attempting to buy as much as they can right now before the prices rise, I know that in the past we have seen gas stations limit how much people can take uh, per household um because some people will come to the gas station with those big gas tanks like the the little portable ones you know that you can the gallons yeah yeah, the little like gallon jugs um and just like try to fill up a bunch of them and take them with them and that just contributes to higher gas prices Uh um and it's not fair for a lot of other people who can't afford like i said low and some middle class families who can't afford to bulk up on gas like that and now because people, the people that can afford to spend a little bit more money on gas are spending it so quickly, it's it's just causing those other families to have to pay even more for less, basically. So, yeah, that's that's uh, a kind of difficult issue that I'm sure we're definitely going to be seeing, especially with gas, because people are already freaking out over it. Um, and I think we definitely will see gas stations start to limit how much people can take in one trip just to try to like curb that a little bit early. Yeah. Yeah. But uh hyperinflation is something that we've actually seen before. Uh we saw it like right when our country began back in 1777 because when we first invented the dollar, well, our first attempt at inventing the dollar, um basically like the US had no control over the way it was being made and a bunch of counterfeits were made. The economy was flush with cash. And inflation went up to 300%, which is insane rates. So we've seen it in the past. Hopefully, we're going to be able to maybe learn a little bit from the past and try to control our rates of inflation. I think we're going to see companies start to limit amounts that people can buy, um, especially gas companies, probably also grocery stores, um, because food is going to be another huge thing that people are going to be buying up, like Abigail said. But uh, I'm... I don't think we're going to see that rates of inflation go up to 50%. I don't think we're going to see hyperinflation. But when we're adding in the issue with Russia sanctions, that's like a whole new thing. So honestly, 
that could that will cause inflation to rise as well. And who knows if that could cause us to go into hyperinflation or not. Right. Let's stop history from repeating itself. Yes, absolutely. Well, we're going to have to cut it there because it is it's 9 a.m. And our show is over. (laughs) This hour honestly flew by so quickly. Um, We just had so much to talk about. We got really wrapped up talking about Russia and Ukraine just because there is so, so much to say. But every single show this week is going to have a little tiny discussion on Russia and Ukraine just because there are so many updates going on with it um, that we feel the need to talk about it just a little every single day. So if you want to stay updated on Russia and Ukraine and if you also want to hear other stories that are going on in the news, both locally, nationally and internationally, make sure you tune in to 88.7 FM WRHU every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. Me and Michaela will be right back here next week. Abigail will not be with us, but Dex will. So you can tune in next Monday at 8 a.m. to hear me and Michaela and Dex. As always, guys, have a great day. Stay safe and keep your masks on for now.